Welcome to New Game Netcast, the official podcast of NewGameNetwork.com. Hello, hello, this is the 18th New Game Netcast for Sunday, December 9th. We are here with Alex. Hello. Nicholas. Howdy. And Evan. And today, well, boy, what's going? What's been on everyone's minds today? Earlier, we were talking about the fantastic Bioshock cosplay that, that we've seen online, uh, and how the girl who is perfectly captured—what's the character's name in Bioshock Infinite? Uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth has been apparently hired to act as well, essentially, I want to say, a character, character in costume maybe for public events or things like that. I have to say that this is probably a dream come true for cosplayers in general. When they spend hours and hours on a costume, this is what they're thinking. Oh, maybe maybe George Lucas will hire me and I'll spend the rest of my life looking like an X-Wing fighter, you know? It's it's kind of funny because I think it's becoming like kind of a, a viable career option, uh, this kind of modeling thing. I mean, you remember earlier, I guess in this year, the uh, the girl who did the... Uh, lollipop chainsaw thing didn't she win a contest to to get that role and she was going out to all the trade shows and stuff like that uh, no that's jessica negri and she's actually a cosplayer long before that oh yeah sure but i mean uh, like taking that your interest in cosplay and then turning that into a career yeah you know? i don't i don't think like, it was a contest i'm pretty sure they just picked her out because she was popular at the time and still is i guess mm. what about yeah. blizzard i mean you know the blizzard cosplayers we all know are are absolutely ridiculous and fantastic in the work that they do. But, uh, at, you know, at BlizzCon, doesn't the winner of the costume party get something There's something special? I forget what the grand prize is. It's probably not a job offer, of course, but, uh, you know, they've got to be... They put so much effort into those. They, You know, they've got to be getting something out of that. I'm not familiar enough to say. Oh, you have to see it sometime. It's... Yeah, if you have a spare hour or something, just watch. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I know it's it's incredible. It's a parade. Like they parade, you know, they, one by one, they present the top 100 finalists and then vote on them. And these costumes are r- ridiculous. They, you know, months and months and months and several several people on stilts in order to mimic Protoss' backward leg movement, and it's crazy. <laughs> It's like, um, yeah, like Halloween parties here in the city. Like, uh, you know, people will spend ten thousand dollars making their costume, but they'll do it to try to win like a, a you know, twenty thousand dollar prize at one of the uh, parties. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm a well, I'm not a big costumer. I like wearing costumes, but uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I like wearing costumes just so that you can look cool, you know, just so, just for that one day, for that one day of the year. You can be the Green Lantern. I'm just throwing that one out. Yeah, see, I, like I, I'm not into costumes at all. Like, I, it's my my wife is always for Halloween trying to get me to like you know do some kind of like big ornate costume idea with her. And like all I care about is that it's cheap uh, and that it doesn't interfere with me being able to like drink and get you know something up to my mouth. Oh, you know, that's like, so, like, I so no masks or anything like that. I just want to be able to talk and socialize and, and drink and walk around properly, you know? It's always a tough choice what sacrifices you make there. My little sister one time went as an iPod and could not sit down for the entire day. <laughs> oh, and then yes, uh, so my, my standard costume, which you've seen, and my dark elf costume, means that I cannot touch anything. 
essentially. So I can't shake hands, I can't hug people, because they'll, they'll get black stuff all over them. But <laughs> it's worth it. Uh, <laughs> just all right, so shall we uh, and get into the top news? On this here, yeah, top news on the site. We're going to talk about the Black Tusk Studios, which is apparently a new invention from Microsoft. Battlefield 3 expansion is here. Aftermath and Call of Duty Black Ops 2 retail sales are now past 1 billion. This makes me shudder a little. First off, Black Tusk. It's a cool name. It is. I have to hand uh, hand it to them. A Black Tusk on a gray walrus. And it's supposed to be making some new crazy IP. Why, uh, I hate to stretch it, but why are people excited about this? Is it just because it has, I mean, it looks like it has great, what's the word? Staff members. Staff, yeah, staff members. But yeah, Well, it's just not every day that the big companies open a new development studio. I right? wonder what could, what could spark it. Like, what does Microsoft get out of... Well, saying, well, you know, there, here's a special studio that we should, we need to make this in order to fill this niche, for example. Well, they, I mean, they could always use another exclusive, you know. I, I think, guess that's um, true. Yeah, I think what you're seeing is like the, you know, the big Sony and Microsoft are kind of getting their their ducks in a row for the next gen. Uh, you know. Do you, th- do you think Microsoft is maybe worried that Halo isn't going to be able to carry it? I thought we were in line for two more Halo games. I, I think it's always good to diversify. I mean, uh, I mean, people seem to have liked. I didn't I haven't played Halo Four. People seem to like it, but it, it seems to generally be treading on the same kind of ground that it really always has, for the most part. as was my understanding. So, you know, you want to prepare yourself in case there starts to be a little bit of fatigue from that franchise, and you want to you want to probably have some more stuff coming up for the next gen, get people excited. Hey. Uh- so- as long as, sorry, just a drop by on Halo. Quick trivia thing that probably everyone knows, but I didn't. Did everyone else know this? That Halo was originally an adventure game for Mac. I did not know that. Really? Yeah. Look on YouTube, and you'll find Steve Jobs introducing Halo and saying, "Hey, we roped in this studio who says they're going to make this great game for us called Halo." And eventually, of course, funding ran out or whatever, and Microsoft took over, and the rest is history. So really, wow. it's just a name. No, no, it, they like they have a trailer and they've got the music and everything. No, and, I mean like I mean so it, what it would have been was it first person? Um, it was what you call it, not over the shoulder. It, it was you know bird's eye view type thing. Oh right, yeah. So I mean, really, Microsoft was it, like same, no, it's like same engine and everything. I think it's it was, yeah, but don't get me wrong. Microsoft took it and moved it into first person and made it the hmm. Halo that we all know and love today. So they had some like proof of concept stuff going. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, let's see. Next up on the talk news on the site, Battlefield 3 Aftermath. I'm not a big Battlefield 3 player, but has anyone tried this expansion yet? I haven't myself. Alex? I haven't personally, but uh, I know uh, Ben, our fellow staff member, is a big fan of Battlefield, and he's got the season pass going on, so he got the expansion without paying anything extra. How much more is the season pass again than just getting the? So the season pass is like I think fifty bucks, mm-hmm. or you can buy every expansion separately for fifteen 
dollars each. So it's it's savings for sure if you buy the season pass thing. Hmm. I suppose if there are enough expansions there. Yeah, there's there's about six I think, and most of them have you know new guns, new maps, all of that. So it's decent value. Yeah, they've they've seemed pretty meaty for the most part. This one, you get a few new maps, a few new vehicles, a uh, couple new weapons and stuff. It looks pretty sizable. Hmm. Well, speaking of... There's a crossbow. Like... Not really. As a what? There's a crossbow in it. You know, even uh, even Dice couldn't get away from the year of the bow. <laughs> wow. Is that what this... Was that what 2012 is officially? Well, yep. 2013 as well. With Crisis and Tomb Raider. Crisis, Tomb Raider, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Dishonored had a crossbow, didn't it? Yeah, but what, held... what, next year? Tomb Raider and Crisis 3. Oh, okay, sorry, 2003. Uh, Far Cry, Far Cry 3 had it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I never thought about it that way. Although, I gotta say, it's it's nice to see it. I'm always a fan of a crossbow. Yeah, and if you, if you expand it to other media, too, I mean, the popularity of the Hunger Games, you know. That's a uh, longbow. The... You Philistine, for crying out loud. <laughs> That issue with a longbow, get it right. Uh, not that anybody's thrilled about that movie anyway, but. Oh, you know, actually, so uh, people probably heard me say my wife earlier. So I got married um, right around the time the last podcast was getting recorded. And uh, we, we did it down in Oahu in Hawaii. And um, they were actually filming for the second Hunger Games movie there. That's right. I remember I saw pictures from the Hawaii Hunger, yeah, Hunger Games photo shoot. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, they were doing it. Uh, they were doing it on the beach at the uh, right at the resort that we were at. Uh, oh, so you, another... may have, you may have been the people who leaked the pictures. If so, shame on you. But <laughs> now they're just they're just private right now. I just have my my personal photos of Jennifer Lawrence for for private use. <gasps> um... God, <laughs> I, I just realized, everyone, that's uh, what we need: Hunger Games, the first person shooter. Write it down quick. They they this. made a game I think or they're still in production. I hate to think. I think they, I think they have to be. I mean, it lends itself to it so well. I mean, it really. It, well, wow. uh, I have mixed feelings. <laughs> yes and no. You know, it's got such a heavy slant of survivalism rather than. You know, it sounds like the perfect first you know first person shooter game. Get it? You're all in an arena and you have guns. Go after each other, but. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Who knows? Uh, traps and surviving, and you know, dealing with the elements and stuff like that, and some mind games. I, you know, I mean, I could see it conceptually being a good game. It never ever would be because they do what they always do with them. But uh, I'm intrigued. Retro games. That said, I can't think of the last. I can think of a lot of horror survival games, but not many outdoor survival games that really gave that sense. That sense of you know having to look for resources and. I'm like this Metal Gear the Elements. Never played it. Oh, it's a great one. My favorite of the series. I'll get around to it. Thanks for the suggestion. Uh, and speaking of long, lucrative series, on the top news of the site, Call of Duty Black Ops 2 has now passed $1 billion in retail sales. <laughs> $1 billion! Nice. That's a good clap. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm recording just for that. Well, Something I was unclear on about that actually. The I, I think I read a Gamma Sutra article where they're talking about it as being on pace to sell less than Modern Warfare Three. Even with that. the 
Yeah, they. I mean, so it had like it, it was tough to tell because you have to kind of do some extrapolation because it only had like 15 days in the month. Uh, and I think this is all using NPD numbers, which are, you know, increasingly inaccurate because they're just retail. But um, uh, yeah, I think they were, they were saying it looks like. I mean, and it, like it depends on the tail of the game too because the original Black Ops had such a long tail and it kept selling so well. Modern Warfare 3 actually started out outpacing it in sales, then didn't have the same tail, and it kind of fell off. And I think yeah. I think they said that if you extrapolate it, this one is on a lower pace for it. That's kind of strange because you wouldn't think that Black Ops 2. I mean, it hasn't been out long enough to have, to, you know, have measurable long tail, so to speak, right? They're, I mean, we won't really. Guessing. Yeah, they're I mean, they're just trying to guess at it. It really depends on how well it's going to do. I I'm actually I'm very down on the game. I had to return my copy because uh, it didn't work. Um, oh, ouch. I'm, well, I'm, I hate to say it, I'm more down on the franchise than down on the game. But, you know, if, if that's your kind of thing, way to go. Enjoy it. <laughs> I was going to say Black Ops 2 isn't as good as the first one, but it's still still enjoyable story-wise, I guess. And they really tried some new things with a, a potentially branching story sequences and yeah, uh, choices sometimes. But... I, I I didn't really care for the branching stuff too much. I I feel like it was kind of trying to jam a square peg into a round hole kind of thing. But um, I, I did like the what were they called Strike Force missions? Yeah, I thought those were great. Like great addition to the game. I had a lot of fun with them. I think yeah. the, the branching storyline is so difficult to do well. It's all the rage in games these days. But I think people don't quite realize. You know, it, it's so difficult to make it effective. I want to say. As we've seen in yeah. The Walking Dead. Yeah, I was just about to say that. <laughs> Although, see, I think you know, The Walking Dead puts everything it's got into the branching storyline. You know, effort after effort after effort. Like, like that's where most of the work is going in Walking Dead is letting you branch the storyline. And even then, it's uh, you know, maybe <laughs> you like it, maybe you don't. I liked it. I thought it was okay. I I just finished episode five actually. Don't, um, don't tell me. Don't tell just, me. I don't. <laughs> I just finished. I I'm not going to. Well, go. I'll go spoiler free. But um, like the impression, and I think this applies through every single one of the episodes. But it's that they they kind of give you the illusion of choice in in the, the Walking Dead games. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but like when you when you look at where you started in the episode and you look at where you ended, and then you go, if you go back and look at the possible different options and the choices and stuff like that, you kind of realize that it, the game is gonna end the same way you know you're not going to have like a you're not going to get to these wildly different outcomes no matter what happens you'll have maybe one person with you and another person's gone or you know they change the order of the, the people but the same events the same beats are going to happen in the story no matter what right and yeah that i think is, is the problem and the truth is you can't really expect you know yeah. branching you know branching the story once means writing two good yeah. stories you yeah. know rather than one Branching it twice, it means writing four good stories. Well, not necessarily. I mean, they could have gone with the uh, path where it's the same story, but different people come with you, so the only thing they'd need to do is record uh, potentially similar lines of dialogue with two different voice actors, depending on who's there. Right? Yeah, but isn't that a recipe for awful characterization and writing? Not necessarily. Yeah, or, or, okay, fine, we'll ha have a different dialogue then, but with different characters, but the overall story remains the same. Mm. Versus, I feel like... um, in episode five, I mean, there's 
there are there are scenarios where certain characters survive and certain characters don't, regardless of what you choose to do. And mm-hmm. so some of the ways that the characters die are just kind of silly. Uh, having said yeah. that, though, I do feel like Walking Dead is actually very successful uh, at what it does, even its choices. If anything, just because a lot of the choices it gives you are strictly, really, character development choices. Yeah, you, I agree. You, know, yeah. you get to decide how to develop the character. It's your choice right now. It won't change the story, but you know, the point of this is that you is that you experience character development. I feel like it's the stuff that happens in the game, like the, the whole point, and this works with the setting, because when you have this post-apocalyptic, very dark zombie kind of scenario, you're, you're picking between two bad options every single time. You know, you're not, there's no, I'm going to get the winning ending, you know, or anything like that. There's no expectation that there's a, a the right choice that's going to fix everything. So you don't have that, like, compulsion to go back, like, oh, I'm going to redo this instead of, you know, I'm going to reload my save because I'm going to get the proper ending now. Now when something bad happens, you're like, well, this is just the bad option that I got, and the other ones were probably just as bad in other ways. So the the decisions that you make, I think, are less about trying to, like, really uh, control the outcome and more about, like, developing like it's like i think it's a very introspective game you know you make the choices because you're it's about you protecting your character and doing the thing that you believe in yeah like, i agree uh, like uh was it what's the episode with the station wagon where you can you know you can take you can take food from it or you can leave the food there and oh yeah uh episode ooh hang on we're uh, on one it. or two uh, two I'm, yes it's two i think it's two yeah and, i very much enjoyed uh, that choice yeah, because there's no direct consequence from it there, so you're just you make that decision, and then you just it's you're just sitting with it yourself. You know, it's like about you feeling, yeah, I did the right thing. And or without spoilers, having said that, you should play episode five and see where that takes you. I shall. I'm excited <laughs> for it. Yes. Anyways. All right. I know we're dra- <laughs> we're dragging just a little. Don't worry, we'll get through this. On to the article recap for games that have been reviewed. Break Quest Extra Evolution was reviewed at a 57. The Formula One Race Stars got a 75. Lego The Lord of the Rings got a 70. Top Gun Hardlock got a 57. Epic Mickey 2 The Power of Two got a 58, much to the disappointment of some of us. Hitman Absolution got a 77. Far Cry 3 got an 86. Little Big Planet Karting has a 58. And Zombie U sits at 80. Now, let's see. Alex, I know you did some of these, right? Yeah, I think I'm the only guy here for uh, reviews this week. I did Epic Mickey 2, The Power of Two. Aww. What was wrong with this? (laughs) It was... It was not a very good game. The first Epic Mickey was pretty (laughs) good, wasn't it? Well, one of the was one of the things I, I mentioned is that uh, unless you have a Wii, you've never played the first one, and they don't really do a good job of introducing this setting or gameplay and characters to the new audiences on PS3 and 360. And uh, you know, the platforming is kind of dull. The characters aren't that great. The setting is okay. Um, but yeah, mostly, I mean, it, it feels like it's a game from five, ten years ago rather than a modern release. Hmm. You heard it here first, folks. Alex, 
Mickey Mouse, not that great. <gasps> <gasps> no, no. I mean, oh, that's too. Yeah, it's too bad. I've, I'm very much like what they did with Epic Mickey, and I was hoping that they would follow it up with an even better sequel, you know, and really get a fresh franchise going. But it looks like this is just going to peter out. Yeah, I mean, I can't claim to be a huge Disney fan, but that doesn't mean I can't be accepting and enjoyable of whatever they wanted to present. But it just doesn't really work. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Sequel to a game that nobody played on PS3 anyways, which is a platform I reviewed it on. And it's just not that great. Hmm, that's too bad. Uh, what was the other one you said you did? The other review? I also did Far Cry 3, which was a little more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. <laughs> As represented by uh, 86, and uh, it's actually a great way, I guess, to finish off 2012, uh, last major release, I guess. And it's if you like shooters, open-world shooters, this is uh, quite a good game to pick up. It's better than Far Cry 2 and pretty much every way except perhaps for the main character uh, you play as Jason Brody who is kind of a wimp but uh, otherwise it's a very enjoyable open world shooting experience he's a uh, RPG toting shark punching wimp right no <laughs> there's a very common misconception I don't know where everybody gets this shark punching <laughs> you could do it in crisis this is Far Cry. Uh, you can't uh, attack or melee underwater at all. Can't do anything. So oh. you're, so so the best you can do is uh, drive out in a boat and start sniping the sharks, and then you have yeah, to that's... go you have to go down and dive to get it to get the uh, materials from the shark. You kind of have to watch out for friends. It's friends kicking about, so that's kind of yeah. it's its own <laughs> thrill that way. I could have sworn there was a great uh, something tells me. Fonz jumped the shark. Batman rode a shark once. No, no, he um, he used shark repellent on it. But somewhere I know there's some superhero who punched a shark, and it's gone down in history. And maybe maybe they're making some vague reference to awful, awful superhero movies. Mm. <laughs> it definitely happened in uh, Shank Two, I think. Ooh. He uh he chops a helicopter in half, I think, and then he jumps out of it, falls into the ocean. A randomly a white shark comes up to him, he punches it in the nose, and then comes out of the water. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to play it. I uh, I just got a new PC all set up and ready to go, so uh, I'll be. I was waiting on that because I was like, oh, maybe I'll get it on PS3. But uh, the promise of the you know the PS PC graphics just swayed me. Yeah, it's not a it's not a great looking game on 360. Um, so I think PC version would probably be a better choice. And they finally have uh, no HUD options, so uh, that's exciting. I, I had heard that there was problems with like objective markers cluttering. Yeah, the I think I think that's coming in the in the patch. I don't know if it's out yet. Yeah, they just I think they just announced it, so that's I'm excited about that because I always play no HUD if it's an option. Well, you can play technically. You unlock uh, the map by climbing these towers, so you could technically play without a map for the whole game if you just don't climb any towers. <laughs> oh, that's kind of clever. Yeah. Do you jump into haystacks afterwards? No, you take <laughs> zip lines down. Uh, well, but you know what? There's yeah, there's I mentioned that in my review. There's a lot of similarities between it and Assassin's Creed 3. It was kind of jarring a little bit. Um, 
they quote Alice in Wonderland a lot, and they have these towers you gotta climb to reveal the map, and they have the animal hunting stuff, but thankfully it's... Hey, Far Cry's starting to get a little cultured. But it's uh, it's all better than Assassin's Creed 3, I think, so... Yeah. Ubisoft is kind of... I feel like all of their games are starting to really share assets like that. Uh... You know, you got Splinter Cell looking like uh, Assassin's Creed with the scaling on the rocks and stuff like that, and everything features climbing now. Everything well, is skinning animals. It kind of feels natural. I don't think anyone's trying to exactly copy from anyone else, but there's, I think, a philosophy of gameplay, maybe, that's starting to spread around. What do people like to do? You know, do you, when you play a game, do you like to see, you know, do you like to press a button and see something impressive done, or you know, do you not c- c- care what's happening on screen as long as the challenge is, you know, well tuned or whatever? Well, I, I mean, in in a lot of cases, they're they're kind of directly taking things. I mean, the uh, that mark and shoot function that you're seeing, you know, used to be in Red Dead, and now you're seeing in in Hitman and things like that. The uh, the eagle vision kind of thing from mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed that appeared in Hitman. You know, these are these are real direct. You know, like ideas just taken straight out of one game and put into another game, and that's fine. I mean, if if a good idea is good, an idea is good, and you know, they should certainly borrow that kind of stuff. But I do find it a little bit concerning. But that's just me. I'm a curmudgeon. <laughs> well, with that uh, concern possibly foreshadowing or making us cautious as we proceed, shall we talk about news around the industry? Nice. That was smooth. Well, I'm sure we can come up with a more clever segue than that, but I want us to have a sense of mystery as we go into the news. (laughs) What new areas of video game exploration are showing up on the horizon? Well, for one, there is an official THQ Humble Bundle coming out. I'm a big fan of the Humble Bundle. Glad to see them doing a THQ-specific one. Monopoly being released on Steam with no multiplayer. Facebook cutting its ties with Zynga. We have an article from Craig Richardson, who is the former head of Bioware, talking about how free-to-play and mobile are still growing and are going to dominate. The almighty Molly New is creating a game called Goddess, in which you play as, wait for it, a god. And Sony is putting up a web-based PSN. The composer for Journey, the, the music for Journey, has been nominated for a Grammy, which is the first computer game Grammy that we have seen yet. A Grammy nomination, that is. For a soundtrack. Uh, I think Civ 4 won an individual yeah. song. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's that's a nice uh, distinguishing mark there. Yeah, Civ 4 was individual song. Journey is getting the nomination for the soundtrack. How many days are left in the Humble Bundle for THQ? I think it's pretty close. Just a couple, of, a couple of days remaining. Uh, it's a I'm, I'm amazing surprised this, deal. I would have thought that THQ didn't really count as indie, but uh, it's easy because these <laughs> well, are really high quality. Considering games. considering the price of their stock, they might as well get considered indie at this point. Ouch! That's they, sad. They really need it, man. They, if they you, need if, the recognition. If you're gonna buy the bundle, do everybody a favor and just put it all towards THQ. Those charities, they don't need it, man. THQ <laughs> needs your money. <laughs> THQ, they're the ones who they're the ones who need charities. Yeah. Our, our charity money. Exactly. Harsh. Well, I like all the games there. Just uh, I'll have to think about it. 
Yeah, you got the Company of Heroes and Red Faction Saints, Armageddon. Saints Row. Yeah, Saints Row and um, I guess Titan Quest they added. If you beat the average price, which is five something dollars right now. I'm not familiar with Titan Quest, but anything involving Greek heroes, I, I tip my hat it's, to. So. It's a top-down RPG. It's really quite loot-heavy, quite quite good, I think. Give it a shot. And how many days? Oh, sorry, I was just looking at it. Just a moment. Three days. Three days. So get on it. Wednesday? Yeah. Yep. Three days and three hours. So Wednesday afternoon. That'll be your last shot. Let's see. Uh, Monopoly being released on Steam with no multiplayer? This is just... Let's see. This is taken from a Reddit conversation, but this really drives me nuts. I want to say it's a sign of lower quality of release maybe not that it's tied to Greenlight or anything but why release monopoly with no multiplayer what <laughs> possible benefit is there i can understand card games with no multiplayer i can understand strategy games with no multiplayer but monopoly it feels to me as if monopoly the point of monopoly is to barter with humans you crank the ai to the most hardest difficulty and you just try to take over the world this is actually, I think, a very kind move by them because we all know that all Monopoly does is divide friendships. So, ah, <laughs> uh, I like it. I get it. Yeah. Now. Has anyone played a Monopoly game that didn't end with the board being thrown across the room with all the pieces? Yes. I don't think I don't think I've ever played a Monopoly game that was truly enjoyable. I, I say yes <laughs> because uh, people got bored of it. <laughs> so. Every single Monopoly game has built up to the one trade where everyone makes the trade at the same time, you know, hoping to get into the best position. And after that, it's all decided and all downhill. My old, um, I had a my best friend actually used to love Monopoly, and though he would play it in the most like like he'd run it like a like a railroad like baron, you know, just. Uh, plowing people over to get his uh, his way. And uh, he would always, he'd pick the person who was like the biggest competition and he'd just try to eliminate them from the game. So he'd spend the entire game trying just to destroy one person. And then when he got wow. them out, he'd move on to the next one. Like, ruthless, you know. And um, he would always do it with this one trade. He'd say like, oh, you know, give he'd make a deal with, he'd try to, this person that he wants to get out of the game. Whenever they tried to make a deal, he'd go over their deal and he'd say, hey, I'll give you a better deal. I'll give you Ten more dollars, whatever, and then you won't have to pay when you land on my monopolies for the yeah, next that's... forty turns, whatever, like that. And everyone's always like, "Oh, forty turns—that's so much." Then not realizing it's like fifteen minutes in the game time, and oh. uh, so he makes these deals, and so the other person's blocked off; they can't make any deals because he keeps going over them. So eventually, they get no properties; they're out of the game. He just moves on to the next one, and um, so he did this all through, like you know, middle school, high school, and uh, I went to college. He was in a different college, and I told all my friends about how he does this. He ended up transferring into my college in the uh, second semester, and then like you know, f- you know, a few months down the road, he like he's like, hey, any- does anyone here want to play Monopoly? And all my friends that I had told about him like this were like, we don't want to play Monopoly with you. We know exactly what you're like, you bastard, like that. And he's like, why does everyone hate me? <laughs> Finally, years of bad karma from Monopoly come back to haunt. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yep. hope I hope you got a little smirk out of that. Oh, I did. I did. Yep. I hate Monopoly. Speaking. And speaking of getting a little smirk, Facebook cutting its ties with Zynga. Good, I say. Do away what? with it. It's time It's time to end this relationship. 
make Facebook a safer place for people with brain safer cells. Place. <laughs> and, and, oh, I'm just, I'm happy to see this. I'm sure, of course, Zynga games will still be all over Facebook forever and ever, but hopefully this is a sign of things to come. This is, um, if, if these companies were like anthropomorphized, like if this was like a post apocalyptic zombie scenario, like The Walking Dead, uh, Zynga, <laughs> Zynga would have, been you know bit they're starting to like fall down the zombies are catching up to them they've got a broken leg and they're they're like facebook facebook help me if you you carry me we can make it and facebook just like kneecaps them and then runs away (laughs) sorry sorry screaming at them as they run away it's greg richardson making a comment uh, that he thinks free-to-play and mobile games will grow to be an industry of 100 billion that's quite a claim what do you think Maybe. Haven't they been saying that for the past year that mobile is kind of the way of the future, etc.? Hasn't it already sort of reached that level of saturation, though? I mean, yeah. doesn't everybody own a cell phone? I feel like the the demographic is already laid out in full, so I think they'd probably have to find another pricing model or something like that to really milk out more profit from it. Just the fact that, well, uh, I need to be careful here because I laughed when I heard that Apple was trying to make was trying to get into the phone games industry. And I thought, really? Is that going to bring in anything for you? And now I'm eating my words really heftily. So who knows? I think we tend to, because mobile phones have always been so low on the hardware scale, we've always seen them as strictly casual games. But maybe he's suggesting that some serious gaming could really move on to the mobile phone. Could there be a $60 game that everyone has to have on their phone that doesn't play on a console or anything? Well, I mean, they tried that with the PS Vita, right? Sort of. It's not a phone, but um, you, you need some pretty serious hardware to have a game on a phone that justifies $60 purchase. I don't think phones can pull that off, that kind of gameplay or graphic. Wise yeah, not not yet at least. Not yet, but then you know we'll be if we're walking around with PS Vita quality hardware that's in the form of a phone. Then those are the days, man, of the future. Oh, I'm excited. I'm gonna get a PS6 in my brain. <laughs> I'll settle for it. There is a new... I don't know the name of this guy. How to pronounce it? Almighty Molyneux? Molyneux. Yeah, it's uh, Peter Molyneux. Uh, the Peter. old um, populist guy. Oh, all right. That kind of makes sense why he's, he's calling his game... not that old. Why you gotta be that he, way? He's calling his game Goddess. Although I, I really... It drives me nuts because it sounds like Goddess instead of Goddess. Goddess with a U.S. at the end. Hmm. Well, this is, this is follow-up to Black and White or something. I think so. It was kind of inspired in the same vein. The spiritual sequel, spiritual. is that right? The, the only good game he ever made, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> he, uh, you should be, no, you should read the article because he talks a lot about how he judges games very much based on how godlike your powers are, essentially, in the game, I want to say. So what so happened he... with Fable? <laughs> <laughs> Follow-up question, Mr. Mulligan? <laughs> Yeah, dang it! That's a good question. Should have gone. Should have gone for it. Yeah. No, what was the game he said that inspired this? It, it was a like a, I think it was actually a hack and slash RPG. Just a second, let me take a little. Let me take a look. 
uh, he saw a role-playing game. He was watching some game where at some point in the game, you got to split a mountain in half. And this inspired him and said, this is what games should be. This is what we should be doing <laughs> with our games. And in his defense, he points out uh, this game is being de- de- developed primarily for touchscreen. And he says, what better use of a touchscreen than to split mountains in half oh with your fingers, you know? So, like, you can actually grab the land and that break it up. That just sounds like he's trying so very hard. And you will be a god! So very hard. Well, best yeah. of luck. His, I mean, his, his MO has always been big promises, kind of uh, unreached, you know, potential. With his games, it was always a story with Fable, and uh, you know, I mean, he he's with the way that his games have come out. I, you you have that same situation with Kickstarter, where you have so many promises, and you have the risk of, of things not living up to what's what's been offered. So you're to me like you're doubling down with that with a Peter Molyneux Kickstarter, and I would seriously caution anybody who's considering putting money into this. Although in his in his defense, they actually talk a little bit about that in the interview with him, and he does take a very uh, shoot for the moon, if you miss you land among the stars kind of attitude of, well, I'd rather I'd rather always promise too much and always think too highly of my games and end up with a pretty good game instead of a brilliant one, than lower my expectations and fall into the drudgery of badness. I don't yeah, know. I don't know I don't how know. I feel about that because I feel like some of my favorite game developers are people who don't make a big deal about their games and just quietly and calmly make the best game that you've ever played in your life. But yeah, there's, you know, a, there's I, a happy medium here. You yeah, know. whatever floats his boat. The Fable franchise was very successful. You know, Black and White was a great game, so he's got something right going on. Certainly, I think it's more of an issue with him vocalizing these things a little bit too early. Uh, and less with what he actually produces, you know. Uh, if you listen to, you know, his new project was that Curiosity game for the uh, iOS and Android where you, you tap on the little cube and it reveals uh, image and things like that. Um, I don't even know if what status the game is in. I don't know what kind of player retention it has. I can't imagine it's that good because I don't see people just sitting there mindlessly clicking for weeks on weeks. But uh, he, the idea was that when you get to the bottom of it, ultimately, from all these players clicking on it, there's going to be some big reveal at the bottom. And he, he has already promised the moon with that. He's like, the, the, the truth that's revealed when you get into the box, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the world. It's going to get national news coverage, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so he's using that to drive this interest, and that's what players are clicking for, is that curiosity of seeing what's in there. And when it ultimately doesn't live up to those monumental expectations, they're going to be pretty upset. It's almost as if we're slowly getting to the point where, well, maybe for his games, where we aren't playing the game anymore. You're playing the the hype. <laughs> I want to say, uh, yeah, oh, here, like I almost want to say it's it's like a Roland Emmerich film. It's it, you almost go into a Roland Emmerich film already knowing it's not going to be that great, but you have to go see it because the ads have been so good, you know, and the trailers have been fantastic, and everyone's going to go see it. We all know it's not going to be a good movie, but you have to see it anyway. But, <laughs> That's just my two bits. All right. Sony quietly put up a web-based PSN. No NA support just yet. What is NA? North America. Oh. Oh, come on, Evan. Really? North America. You don't know what North America is. NA. To me, I'm sorry. (laughs) And and, and listen, I'm betting that 
uh, however small our audience may be, I'm betting they'll back me up on this. Na is two things: not available, or the, well, you or, have or to the have, element sodium. You have to have so a that sash. Says there is no sodium support just yet. If it's <laughs> if it's not available, you put a slash between N and the A. All right, fine. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, I've, cool. I've taken a look at this and, and browsed around it. I don't really see what the uh, I don't really see what all the excitement it really is for it. But well, um, because it doesn't have a web store at all up until this point, because it's always been the only way to access the PSN is through your console, <laughs> your PS3 or your Vita now, I guess. So yeah. also, it's worth noting that the web store is like so much easier to use than the actual PSN on the PS3. Uh, it's fast, it feels, it's easy to click through, it's got drop-down menus and stuff, it's great. It feels like with PSN adding on a web store component and with Steam adding in big picture, like there's, there's trying to be, obviously people are trying to make an effort to cross over between you know, the console and the PC markets. I think Sony is just catching up a little bit because um, the Xbox has its whole market, marketplace online accessible via the web. And yeah, they've you, been you know you can you can queue your downloads or purchase things or whatever online on your web browser rather than having to go on the console. So I think Sony's just doing a little catch up. I think there's actually because I with PlayStation Plus you can have your PS3 automatically download uh, patches yep. for you know for games and stuff. So there there's a possibility here. I I think it's feasible for them to have it set up so that you can remotely download. Uh, it's not there yet on the service, but uh, if you could do that, if I could be on the computer, find out that a game's coming out, go up on there, purchase it, and have it, my PS3 download it and then shut off while I'm at work, that would be amazing. So, like Xbox. That, that would. I have to have it done. Yeah, essentially an Xbox. Are you done with that? Do it up. And finally, to our final topic from News Around the Industry, is that the composer of the soundtrack for the indie game Journey is going to get the gaming community's first soundtrack <gasps> Grammy nomination. And I, for one, am highly excited about this. Me too. The composer's name is Austin Wintery, and it's nice to see games starting to sneak into the Grammy Awards just a little more. I think they need to do this more often. And what better game to do it with than Journey? I'm hoping that in the high-class, sophisticated, uh, I want to say quasi-Hollywood culture, that if we have to send in a game... To show them that is, hey, look at this game. This is worthy of, you know, this is worthy of awards and recognition and fancy parties and women and you know, lovely gowns and everything. Journey <clears throat> is a great game to do that with. Yeah, I agree. It's been a great like kind of first like uh, it's a, it's a good uh, foot forward, you know, for the industry. And yeah, not only that, the Grammys might actually just be taking a turn for the better with both uh, Nicki Minaj and Justin Bieber not being nominated for anything. So. Oh, wow, that is a nice thought. <laughs> so it's it might be just that good of a year for Grammys. Good. I say, yeah, a hearty clap on the back to the Grammys. I was going to ask if uh, if you guys watched the VGAs the other night. They I, they made a point of highlighting a lot of the uh, the game soundtracks. They had a full orchestra. Oh, yeah. That would have been nice. Yeah, it, was a little, it was a little brief, but yeah. Yeah, I mean... And it was uh, they kind of drowned them out with the sound effects of the games that they played on the screens in the background, but uh, uh, still nice to see them trying to class it up a little bit. And then on comes Samuel L. Jackson cursing his head off, so that kind of yeah. ruined the effect. <laughs> yeah, and then the fact that they showed, I think in the time that I watched, I think 
there was one award shown within like the entire hour. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, still, still just a marketing thing. Mm, too bad. Yeah. Well, that's it for the news around the industry. And now on to some interesting areas of rumors, coolness, and the fudgy, fuzzy edges of what we know about the video game industry. <laughs> Don't fudge this up, Evan. This isn't any normal news report here. You've just entered the twilight zone of news. Okay. First off, mm. Facebook groups get Crytek's blessing to remake Time Splitters. Wow, that's kind of interesting. I wouldn't think that they'd just hand it out like that. It's, I want to say almost like it's a fan movement that's getting getting some recognition. This is a this is a good thing. Even if Facebook ruins it, this is a step in the right direction. Facebook ruins it. So wait, let, let me get this straight. So was this a, a petition Facebook group? I don't think it was a petition Facebook group. No, it was just Facebook wanted to have permission to remake Time Splitters. No, the the petition was uh, for the sequel for Crytek to make a sequel because Crytek said if uh, there's a certain number of people that put signatures down, they'll make the next game or whatever. But this is different. This is them remaking the original. I guess uh, HD or whatever. Okay, I see. And it's, they say Time Splitters 4 is their ultimate goal. Yeah, so, and for that one, Crytek was saying that they need to see some signatures, I guess, of people willing to buy before they make it. Gotcha. Okay. I'm, I'm down for Over both. Over 100,000, right? Uh, yep. I don't remember what the number was. Yeah, it says uh, the 100,000 strong for Time Splitters 4 Facebook group was founded on May 5th. See, so. I, I have to hand it to him. For all, the, for all the times that we laugh at petitions and say that they never get anything done... I don't. That's just you. Oh, for all the times <laughs> that I laugh at petitions and say they never, they never get anything done, maybe, you know, there really is that little bit of hope. So every now and then, uh, the fan base can be so big that, you know, you keep the franchise alive or start a remake or something. Yeah. Let that be we a could, lesson I mean, for us. You know, we could definitely use new time splitters. I mean, uh, I don't. People may not realize it, but like you know, before Borderlands, time splitters really kind of fit that niche of the the shooter that really doesn't take itself seriously, but still has very, very you know, meaty, rich kind of gameplay. Um, so I, I would love to see it come back. As would I. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as we're on the topic of petitions and what may or may not be. Grand Theft Auto V, there's a petition going around. Is this to port it to the PC? Yeah, I mean, it's a little ahead of its time, I think. Basically, Rockstar hasn't said if a PC version exists or not yet. Uh, and, I mean, chances are really good that it does, and it's just going to come out with the usual 8, 10, 12-month delay after the console versions. But uh, I guess people want to get a head start on it, and so they're like, well, make sure you announce a PC version Let's start a petition. It's a bit pointless, I think, because chances are quite high that there is a PC version that's going to arrive, because this has been the case with every Grand Theft Auto game, but I don't know. People just want to be on top of it and start complaining in advance, I guess. I don't know. Now that I think about this, actually, this could actually be a big self-esteem boost. Find something that, rather than being a long shot, is, I want to say, like a 60% or 70% chance 
<laughs> and pretend that you have a very small but very very dedicated group of fans who are going to slave away until it happens, you know. And then Rockstar gets nice uh, PR because they said, "Okay, we'll listen to our fans. Here's a PC version that that we totally weren't developing until the petition started." And all the fans come away <laughs> thinking, "We have changed the yeah. world through our heart and our courage." Oh, the simple you know, minds. We should, probably, we should probably do that with Dishonored. Like, we want a Dishonored sequel! Oh! <laughs> oh! We're going to force you! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. And finally, be... we have some holiday contests on the site that could possibly net some big rewards for the winners. Alex, I would guess that you are fully informed on this. I could be. <laughs> uh, yeah, win some free stuff. Get some free games. Um, we mostly have PC, uh, Steam games to give away. We might have a few console codes and offerings as well. But uh, yeah, we're running a contest, at least one every week, maybe two, up until the new year. So check it out on the site. Yeah, that's really nice. If anything, just for the chance to win the Half-Life Complete Pack. Which has already been given away. Ah! Ah! And the Frozen Bite bundle has been given away as well. So, new contest starts this week. And, yeah, stay tuned. I'll sign up for that one. That's okay. I, I already have most of the Half-Life games anyway. We have a oh. uh, question of the episode. Is, wait, is this a Mass Effect 3 joke? What color yeah. is Fire ending? Would you expect to be available? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm happy, actually, that people are still angry about that. All right, a question of the episode. Which questions do you think would be most interesting for us right now? The best game of the year, what are you looking forward to next year, or the biggest disappointment? I think um, on the next episode we'll be talking about our uh, results for Game of the Year awards. Mm -hmm. So that's when we can kind of talk about that. I think uh, for this question of the episode we can ask about your uh, next year, I guess, looking forward to plans. Okay. And right. Evan, Evan, Sounds you have good. to word that better. Word. The, yes. Oh, uh, yes. All right. <clears throat> For our question of the episode, we wanted to discuss, as we enter the approach for the new year, what plans do we want to make? Meaning, okay, stop, stop. We're going to do this. Okay, no, no, no. Because I've got this. I've got this. There's a, there's a theme going on here. There's a great theme You're going on. You're doing so well. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, here, you, maybe you'll include this. We'll see. But... I want to try to capture this feeling. We're approaching the end of the year. We're making New Year's resolutions. We're looking forward and deciding what we want to be and who we want to be, but also what we want to happen to us. And we being gamers are thinking about in the upcoming year, what are we looking forward to? What would we like to happen to us? What games are going to come out that we want to see? That's, so that's, our question of the episode for this final episode of the path. old year is... What are you looking forward to next year from the gaming industry? Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, I got I got lost somewhere along the way on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, 2013. There is. Uh, what grand hopes do you have? There's a lot of probably excellent games coming out. Um, Crisis Three, I'm sure, is going to be fine. Uh, I don't know. Tomb Raider, I'm not too sure yet. Bioshock Infinite, I'm not too sure. Uh, 
what was that game that was oh um the last of us looks quite interesting oh that's right last of us is coming out soon yeah and uh, i don't know about if it's coming next year but uh probably my personal favorite would be um probably most anticipated game that i'm looking forward to in 2013 would have to be uh if it's coming in 2013 uh beyond two souls Ooh, really? Why yes. are you so excited? I'm that? I'm a big fan of Heavy Rain, and I just think uh, that whatever they do next is going to be awesome. Good, good. And actually, while I'm talking, I should mention that March 2013 looks ridiculous right now. Why? What? Uh... Uh, well, let me tell you why. We have uh, potentially uh, Company of Heroes 2 and Metro Last Light. Um. And confirmed, we have Tomb Raider, SimCity, uh, StarCraft II, Heart of the Swarm, God of War Ascension, Gears of War Judgment, and Bioshock Infinite, and Army of Two. Bioshock was just kicked back to March, wasn't it? Why are they all clustering around March? So now there's huge, huge games coming out in March of 2013, unless there's more delays. It looks quite packed. Looks like the new November. Yeah, there'll be more delays, though. You know, it's funny. I guess March probably has the only major. You know, I'm not. I'm actually not big on mainstream games, but um, the ones I am big on uh, are probably hitting in March. Bioshock Infinite, I'm very hopeful for, and StarCraft II: Heart of the Swarm is a shoe in for me. But next year, there are three really hot titles in the indie market that I'm desperately excited for. One. And this is a bit of a dig, is Antichamber. It's a dig because it was supposed to be out this <laughs> year. You've been talking about it for so long, my goodness. And, and, and seriously, every month it's like, oh, it's going to come out this month. Seriously, this month. This month it'll come out. And it never it never does. It never comes out. So, congratulations, Antichamber. You're now a hopeful, hopefully expected for next year. Um, the Witness is, is almost definitely going to be out in... Uh, the first half of 2013 and then the one that we are all excited for Amnesia A Machine for Pigs happy things happening then oh yeah happy happy things in the machine for pigs that, oh yeah oh. god that title gets me every single time frictional oh, frictional gameplay plus the Chinese room designing levels this, this game cannot go wrong so yep mm. So for me, it's all about uh, Bioshock Infinite. Uh, you know, I, I expect The Last of Us to be good, but I think that's going to fit into a, a, a tighter, you know, uh, it's got the potential for it. It's going to be good. I pretty much know it's going to be good from everything that we've seen. Um, whereas Bioshock Infinite, I think, has a bigger spread. I, I have no idea how that game is going to end up in the final version of it. It's going to be, I think it's, it's, it's uh, window is higher. It's, it's potential. And it's also it could go completely the other way based on all the delays that it's been having and all the uh, all the personnel leaving too. So I I don't quite know what to expect. It's shown really well last previews that just uh, just went out. Um, I I don't know what to make of it. I'm ho- I'm hoping that it will just be as an architect that it'll be just a visual treat for me with the uh, the Americana and the uh, the architecture. Uh, so we'll see. I'm hoping that you can just get lost in that world. Oh, I think you're definitely. I think you looked at just the right game as far as that goes. If yeah. anything, just to see turn of the century patriotic steampunk America, that that alone, you're gonna. I think you're gonna see some great views around. Uh, what's the name of the city? Columbia. 
Columbia. Yeah, the the one thing I was thinking about Bioshock is that, and if and when uh, Infinite is a success, I hope that Irrational, for whatever their next project is, if they do another like you know Bioshock kind of game, uh, I hope that they don't just use the same kind of formula that they've been using, where it's just pick a time period, pick an art style, pick a, a philosophy or political leaning, and then make a game out of that. You know, because I, I mean, it's been so productive and it'd be, it'd be cool to see what else they can do with it. But I just feel like it's a recipe for stagnation. You know, I, I'm halfway on your side. I could go on and on about this because to tell the truth, I never played the Bioshock games until this year and have very mixed feelings about them. But, uh, yeah, having said that, I wish more games did things like this. I wish more games said, Hey, here's a setting you know, mixed with a theme and a philosophy that you don't see very often, let's go for it. You know, I'd like to see games that are existentialist, postmodern, cyberpunk, third world, you know, or what have you. Just mm-hmm. to get that variety in there. It's something to break away from the, hey, look, our hero is a Marine and he's got a special suit of armor, you know, Oh, yeah. Like, I, you know, since coming from my background, I'm always interested in, like, the actual design, you know, uh, methodology that games use to get produced. And it's nice when you see them not being created based on marketing survey data and more on just weird artsy sort of uh, foundations. Like, you know, in studio, we'd be like, all right, everyone's going to pick, like, a letter. Now use that letter to make the design for a building, you know, like weird stuff like that. And I'd love to see more games do that, take really strange conceptual, conceptual you know, beginnings and try to turn that into something that people can play. I'm just uh, realizing so. that G, G would make a really ugly building. I'm glad. <laughs> but that'd be the challenge. So, And that's where the fun of it is, in, in taking something that doesn't seem possible and then using that to create something that's really unexpected. And that's where I always have the most fun with, with games and with the design. So well, uh, I hope they can do something along those lines going forward. I'd love to see what they could do with the future. Yeah, I think on the topic of that, uh, I think the reason that March is so stacked, especially with these big exclusives for different consoles, with Gears of War and uh, God of War, is because we are pretty close to the console cycle ending, and uh, you know everybody is pointing to the fact that probably next year we'll see the new consoles from uh, Microsoft and maybe Sony as well. So everybody's trying to get these games out the door right now in the spring, because uh, by E3 time, they got to start hyping up their next-gen releases. And I think that's also when we see a lot of that innovation come in at the start of the new console cycle, when I guess people choose to take risks with their designs and things like that. So hopefully we'll see that again this next year. Hopefully we will. We will be discussing our review of the year 2012 at our next podcast. Until then, I think we're about ready to wrap up. Always. Gentlemen? Always? Always ready. You've been, you've been sitting here for an hour and a half saying, like, let's end this now. Let's end it now. Come you gotta, on. Well, you got to be done. always ready. Always ready. Technical issues, whatever happens, you got to be ready. Uh, uh, always ready. Very well. Be prepared. You have to be emotionally prepared for this. All of, the, all of that Boy Scout training has served you well, Alex. I have never been to Boy Scouts. Well, their motto is be prepared. Oh. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, that, that's it for New Game Netcast. December 9th. We will see you in three weeks. Well, or four. We'll see you in January. We're all going on vacation. We will see you in February. I'm going snowboarding. 
that's the truth of it. Where are you going snowboarding? Hawaii? No. He's coming to Canada. Sure. So we could be right. Who honey? Who travels to a destination and gets married there and then honey? Well, I guess. <laughs> Careful, Evan. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I really could not. Yeah, I really should shut my mouth. <laughs> and in that spirit, take it easy, guys. Take it easy, Nick. Goodbye. Please remember to visit www.newgamenetwork.com for the latest and greatest video game news and reviews.